0: Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville Podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Isn't not perfect the perfect title for a human being? It's like the best description, but not only are we not perfect? But, but sometimes it feels like life is not perfect, right? I remember once I, I had awoken uh, in the darkness of an early morning. I, I was laying on a mattress that I had laid out on the floor of my little apartment in the bedroom. Uh, my, my mind, as I laid there, it was just flooded with thoughts, thinking of the past few months i wasn't able to sleep i just laid there in the dark staring at the ceiling thinking about everything that had happened i had quit a good paying job i had i'd sold everything i had i left everything i knew and i moved to puerto rico to be a teacher i knew i wasn't going to make a lot of money i knew there were going to be times where i was lonely because i was so far from my my friends and my family um but I didn't expect it to be as hard as it was, but it's what I believed God wanted me to do. So, so off I went, living out this dream, thinking that it was going to be perfect, right? But in that early morning darkness, I laid there staring at the ceiling, wondering why everything had been so difficult, why everything was not perfect. Eventually, I, I got up, I went, took a shower, I got dressed. I remember staring in my eyes in the mirror as I brushed my teeth. I could just see the sadness. I could see the loneliness in my eyes. But I I looked away as I spit the toothpaste into the sink. Uh, I thought to myself, no breakfast today. Uh, All I had in the cupboard was a box of mac and cheese. And I was saving that delicacy for for dinner that night. Uh, But tomorrow, I thought tomorrow I'm going to get paid. Things will get better. Everything's going to be fine. I I can buy groceries then. Trying not to worry, but I I didn't know if anything was going to be okay. I remember leaving my apartment. I I walked down the stairs and made my way to my car. A 1998 Kia Sophia, and it was purple. Um, One more imperfect thing added to my imperfect life in a land that was so far from my home. Uh, The driver's side door on that car, it did not work. Uh, So to get into the car, I I would have to crawl through the passenger side. In that moment, though, a a neighbor was passing, so I kind of waited, looked like I, I was looking for something in my bag, and then as they passed, I crawled in through the passenger side, got in the driver's seat, tried to start the car, doesn't start. Oh my gosh, tried to start again, it doesn't start. I breathe in deep, I exhale, I turn the key, and thankfully... It starts. Uh, I start to make my way through the busy traffic in San Juan, Puerto Rico. uh, People making their way to their own jobs, occupied with their own imperfections in their life. I I got to school and I I parked where I usually parked on the side of the road. And I just kind of sat there staring at the steering wheel. Lost in a daze. uh, Still feeling like I was trapped in that early morning Darkness, uh, eventually I, I breathed in deep, I exhaled, I, I got out of the car. I made my way into the school and then my mind, it was being filled with all these tiny little voices saying, Good morning, Mr. Clark. Uh, good morning, everyone, I, I said as I just passed them by. I, I didn't even stop to see their faces. Had I stopped, I, I would see that all of the kids who were saying good morning, t- morning to me had, had a look of confusion on their face. Because usually the first thing I did in the mornings is I would spend time with them. I would go and sit, we'd talk, we'd laugh, we'd be excited for the day. Um, But that day I did not feel excited. That day I did not feel like laughing, I did not feel like talking. So I I went to my classroom, made my way to my chair, sat in my chair, placed my head on the desk. And just thought about everything that was not perfect. I, I made my way through that day like a zombie, lost in thought. My my vision, it was blurred by my constant obsession with with what had been going wrong, with what was not perfect. Eventually, at the end of the day, the students had all gone home, and once again, I was all alone. I remember making my way to my car, crawled in through the passenger side, sat in the driver's seat for a moment. Lost in a daze, I, I began to think about my parents' kitchen, Uh, Months before that moment uh, of sitting in that car, months before I left for Puerto Rico, I I was sitting in my parents' kitchen. My my mom, she hugged me so tight. She said, you are going to bless so many people. But in that moment, I, I did not feel blessed. I didn't feel blessed at all. So how was I supposed to bless Anyone else? Well, where is that blessing? And then I started to wonder, where are you, God? What are you doing? Why are you not working? Where are you hiding? I was struggling to see the possibility of anything getting better. Eventually, I put the car into drive, I had my foot on the brake, and I looked out my left window to make sure the way was clear, but there was something, there was a glint that was shimmering in my eye that caught my attention. I think we all experience moments in life where nothing seems perfect, right? Right? We experience moments where it can feel like nothing is going the way that we plan because what do we know about life? Life, it is unpredictable. And You can think you have it all figured out, right? You can think you have the perfect plan and then just like that, everything changes. Sometimes it can feel like it's just one thing after another reminding you that life is not perfect, reminding you that life is unpredictable. Sometimes it's the small things, right? They just seem to pile up. Check engine light comes on in your car. Uh, Your teenager has that attitude again. Baseball flies through the window. Your your dog throws up on the couch. It's just one thing after another. Sometimes it's the big things though, right? A a loved one passes away. Uh, You get an unexpected diagnosis. You lose your job, uh, a relationship fails. We are met with this onslaught of imperfection. And it can leave us staring up at the ceiling in the dark, impossibly imperfect situations, flooding our minds with thought, our, our vision, it becomes blurred as we make our way through life. With our vision distorted, our perception is all messed up, we face these imperfections in life and we begin to ask Questions. Why is this happening, God? What are you doing, God? Where are you, God? Struggling to see, struggling to understand exactly what's happening. We ask these questions because of our blurred vision. We're we're trying to comprehend what exactly we're looking at, trying to understand how, how do we navigate this unpredictable life when everything wrong seems to happen? Instead of feeling blessed, we begin to feel cursed cursed with the darkness cursed with pain cursed with question after question cursed with what seems impossible is there something that we're missing is there something that could help us see things a little bit differently something that could help us shift our perspective what corrective lenses do we need to start seeing the blessings in life How do we reduce our blurred vision and and see things with clarity? Is there a glint of light in the dark that can give us hope? In the book of John, we find a man and he is sitting alone. He's sitting on on the side of a busy path, overwhelming him was was the sounds that were surrounding him. He listens intently, though, as as people pass him by. He's trapped in a darkness, unable to see anything at all. He has been blind since birth. All of his life, darkness is all he has known. He's never seen the smile on his mother's face. He's never seen the the pride in his father's eyes. He's never seen the, the beauty of light pushing through tree branches as the sun rises. All he knows is absence, absence of light, absence of choice, absence of hope. And during that time, if you were born blind, people viewed it as an impossible condition. There was no hope for you ever getting better. So, so here he sits on this busy path, begging for money, feeling as though he has absolutely no choice. He sits feeling alone in the darkness, uh, feeling as though he's in this impossibly imperfect situation. Uh, Maybe he begins to wonder how different his his life would be if only he could see. Maybe he kind of goes through all of those questions. Why? What? Where? Suddenly, uh, the man, he hears voices approaching him. He holds his hands out towards the voices as they approach, hoping to feel some money drop into his palms. But as he holds his hands out, as he listens intently to the voices, he realizes the men who are approaching, they are actually talking about him. Here's what the Bible says. As Jesus went along, he saw a man who was blind. He had been blind since he was born. Jesus' disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? Was this man born blind because he sinned or or did his parents sin? Now Jesus, as they're walking, he sees this man. Maybe this man that people often just walk by. Maybe this man that people look the other direction as they pass. Jesus, he sees this man and he stops in his presence. And then the disciples, they start to ask questions. The disciples, they ask, who? Who? Who caused the way this man is? Who's at fault for the imperfection this man has been experiencing all of his life? Who is to blame? Have you been there during an impossibly imperfect situation? Often, when things don't go the way we plan, we start looking for where we can place the blame. We start looking for the source of the curse, someone to blame for all the pain. Just like the disciples were met with confusion, struggling to understand why, struggling to understand where, what, who, struggling to see the goodness, struggling to see the blessing in an impossibly imperfect situation. Jesus, though, he sees it all completely differently. Jesus, he, he sees this specific situation, and, and in this text we can, we can start to see this glint, we, we can see this hope because of the way Jesus sees the situation as we begin to see things the way Jesus sees things it can it can aid us in shifting our own perspective and Jesus he replies to the disciples question clarifying the situation. He tells the disciples, this man was not born blind because of some form of sin. It's just the imperfection of this world. But even now, even in a situation that seems impossible, the work of God, the power of God, it can still be shown. And I love the way that it's translated in the Message Bible. Here's what it says. Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question." You're looking for someone to blame. There there is no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God can do. Jesus, he, he sees this moment as an opportunity. He sees that this moment it has potential. He sees within this moment there is a possibility, an opportunity, potential, and a possibility for the power of God to be shown. Jesus is saying, though you view this as an impossible situation, though you are struggling to see the blessing, shift your perspective and instead look for what God can do. Jesus, he's inviting the disciples to shift the way they are seeing this situation. Inviting them to, to look and see how God could work in this situation, even in the life of a blind man. But can you imagine the blind man, as this conversation is taking place, as as he sits listening intently to to everything that they're saying, and maybe for some reason he begins to feel comforted by the sound of Jesus' voice. And then as the the blind man sits there engulfed in darkness, silence, the conversation stops. Then all of a sudden he, he feels a presence right next to him. Someone is getting close to him. And Jesus at this point, he is kneeling down into the dirt. He is getting on the same level as the blind man. He's getting close to the blind man. And you can imagine the blind man sitting there not knowing what is happening, eagerly waiting to see what Jesus is going to do next. And then he feels it. He feels Jesus touching his face. He feels Jesus putting something on his eyes. Here's what the Bible says. After saying this, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home. See, now now what exactly do we see Jesus doing here, though? Uh, Because (laughs) if if we know Jesus, he could have healed the man with a blink of an eye, right? Right? He didn't even have to say a word. He didn't have to do anything. He could have done a little dance and the the man would have been healed. But here we see Jesus getting close to him. We see Jesus getting on the same level as the blind man. Jesus, he's working the spit in in the dirt into this clay-like muddy substance. And as he places the clay on the eyes of the blind man, without a doubt that blind man, he can feel the weight that has been placed on his face. He can tell for certain that something had been done to him. And then Jesus, he says, go and wash. Jesus speaks into this impossibly imperfect situation. Jesus, he sees the possibility for the work of God to take place. And Jesus, he touches this blind man and he gives this man instructions to follow. In doing so, Jesus, he gives the blind man a choice. A man who probably felt he he has lived his whole life absent of choice. Now in the presence of Jesus, he is given the gift of choice. And the man, he chooses to follow Jesus' command. Can you see him? Maybe he begins to to work his way along the wall trying to find his way. Maybe he's shouting out to me, hey, 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 can you help me get to the pool of Siloam? i got to get there. He's making his way to this pool, doing everything he can. Can you you feel the hope that is rising up and inside of him? Eventually he gets to the pool and he has nothing to lose, nothing to lose by obeying and trusting the commands of Jesus. So he plunges his head into the water and he lifts his head out of the water and he begins to slowly wipe away the muddy clay-like substance that was on his eyes. He keeps squinting maybe, and then slowly as he opens his eyes, the glint of light just begins to pour in to the darkness that had surrounded him his whole life. Imagine the wonder, imagine the joy that was abounding in him as he looked around. He begins to place sounds, sounds that he's heard all of his life. He begins to place those sounds with what he is now seeing. Pigs oinking, dogs barking. Children laughing, the the shuffling of feet on the ground, the wind blowing the leaves. He sees everything. His eyes are open wide. The world is brand new. No longer is he feeling stuck in darkness. No longer is he feeling stuck in absence. But now he basks in the light of God's good work. Now he basks in God's good power. The Bible says he he goes home to where he lived and the people that lived around him, his neighbors, the the people that maybe passed him every day as he's begging, they don't believe he's the same guy. Who is this guy? Is this not the same guy that was blind? How in the world can he see now? What, What in the world happened? No longer was he having to feel the walls to find his way. No longer was his head down, but now after experiencing the presence of Jesus, after seeing firsthand what God could do, his head, it was held high and his face. It was full of joy. Jesus, he had stepped into this impossibly imperfect moment and seeing the opportunity for the glory of God to be shown, he gave this blind man a choice. A choice to see things from a different perspective, a choice to participate in his own healing, a choice to look and see what God could do. As I sat in that purple 1998 Kia Sophia, I looked out that left window, I was ready to just go home, ready to continue to just sit in darkness and stare at the ceiling. Something caught my eye, there was this glint. I saw an elderly woman walking down the street. I had seen her passing the school that I worked at for the past few weeks. She always looked tired, she always looked sweaty as if she had been walking a long distance. I could see sadness in her eyes. It was as if she was lost in a daze. As I watched her, there was something inside of me telling me, hey, go offer her a ride. I said, are you crazy? That's so far out of my comfort zone. She probably doesn't even speak English. Why why would I do that? But as I continued to watch her, this compassion, it just continued to rise up inside of me, causing me To act. So I crawl out of the passenger side of my car, and I I go up to her and I I offer her a ride home. I I can take you home. I start pointing to my shirt. My shirt had the logo of the school. Hey, I work at the school. I promise I'm not some crazy person. Little did she know. Um, But eventually she agrees. So I lead her back to the car. I jump in through the passenger side. She kind of stands there looking confused for a minute. Uh, but then she gets in, and uh, we start to try to communicate, and I just say, you know, j- just show me where to go. Just point to me where to go, and I'll, I'll take you home. She understands, and she starts to point. Um, so we're driving. We're Again, we're trying to communicate. She speaks a little English, and eventually we, we get to a grocery store, and this is in the middle of San Juan, Puerto Rico. So it's kind of like if you went to a, a grocery store downtown Chicago, it's just like like a mom-and-pop shop right on the street. So I park in front of the grocery store. She says, wait, gets out of the car, goes into the grocery store, and I just kind of sit there confused. Is this where she lives? What is going on? Why am I waiting? Uh, I wait for a little bit, and then eventually she comes out of the grocery stores. Her arms are full of groceries. The store clerk, he comes out behind her. His arms are full of groceries as well. Uh, They get to the car. I open the passenger side. They put the groceries in the back seat. I'm confused, but she gets in, closes the door, and begins to direct me where to go. Again, I'm driving down the street wondering what in the world is going on. I thought I was taking this lady home. Uh, I was a bit distracted too because one of the things she's purchased was this long piece of bread in Puerto Rico, they have this delicious bread. It's like French bread, but it's, it's super long. And my 1998 Kia Sophia it was not a big car. So it's, it's stretching out from the back seat, and it is, it's just coming right past my face the rest of the drive. And it's slapping me in the head every turn that we take. And I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh, help me. Get me through this. Just let me get this lady home. So we continue to drive. Eventually, we get to a home. I'm thinking, great, this is where she lives. She gets out of the car. I start to get out, and she says, wait. Closes the door, goes to the house. She knocks on the door. Someone lets her in. I'm just thinking, I don't know what is going on. Eventually, she comes out, and she's holding something close to her chest. I can't tell what it is, but eventually, as she gets closer to the car, I realize she's holding a dead chicken She's going to bring a dead chicken into my 1998 Kia Sophia. Is she crazy? Well, I'm thinking, I don't even care. Bring that dead chicken. Let me just get you home so we can be done. She gets in and begins to direct me where to go again. I'm driving down the street, and I'm just thinking, man, this cannot get any weirder. I was wrong. Eventually, I hear, the chicken, it was alive. And that chicken, it begins to freak out. It just starts going crazy. And I am no animal expert. But if you have a crazy chicken that is going nuts in an enclosed space, the, probably the thing you don't want to do is just let it go. But this lady, she just lets it go. And this chicken, it's bouncing all around the car. At one point, it lands on my shoulder. I'm trying to knock it off with the bread. And I do knock it off, it lands on my lap, I about pee my pants, and by the strength of God, I throw it into the back seat with the groceries, and I just start to drive as fast as I can. Oh my gosh, what is happening? Eventually, she continues to direct me, and we get right back to where we started. We get right back to the school. And that's when I realize she's always walking by the school because she lives right next to the school she was literally in her driveway when I offered her the ride home. But well, I don't even care at that point. She gets out. I get out. She grabs the chicken because I wasn't touching that thing. I grab the groceries. I go up to her gate. I, I, I put the groceries there. And she just starts to say over and over, Dios te bendiga. Dios te bendiga. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Gracias. No worries, no problem, I say. I go get in my car, I drive away, and I think I'm never helping anyone again in my life. <laughs> a couple days later on a Sunday, I was at church. The The school and the church were all in the same neighborhood. Um, and someone at church, they, they told me that, that that woman, her her husband had actually died about a month before that. In the past few weeks, she's been struggling to figure out how, how she could do everything that he had done he he would do the errands he would get the groceries he'd get the chickens i guess um, and she'd been struggling to just through her mourning trying to do it all alone in that moment as i realized what had happened my my perspective it just shifted Even though things were not going the way I had planned, even though things were not perfect, I knew that God was at work. I knew that God, he was moving. I knew that God, he was doing something. And that Monday, I got to the school. I parked my car where I usually do, and uh, I hear her calling me to her gate. So I, I go up to the gate, and and um, my Puerto Rican homes they had these gates that in front of their drive, garages and stuff. So she's leaning through the gate. I get closer. She just grabs my hand, and as tight as she can, and she looks me in the eye, and she says, "Dios te bendiga," God bless you. And then she hands me a container of food. And every time I would pass by her house when I was going into the school. She would always want me to come see her. She'd always want to say, God bless you. She'd always want to give me some food. Look for what God can do. We get so stuck sometimes just staring at the ceilings. We we get so stuck just questioning, wondering why, what, where, who. Our vision blurred as we fail to find the blessing in life when all along it is there. The blessing is in the midst of what is not perfect. The blessing is there. We just have to shift our perspective to see it. We have to look for what God can do. Sometimes that means reminding ourselves that God is near no matter what. That Jesus, he is kneeling down into the dirt with us, that he is getting close to us. Jesus, he's reaching into our impossibly imperfect situations, and he is holding our face in his hands. He's providing us what we need, and we can tell without a doubt that something is being done to us. He is strengthening us as we endure the difficulty, and he is calling us to follow His commands to trust and to obey him, calling us to go and wash, wash away the doubt, wash away the fear, wash away the sadness. And as we do, as we begin to look through the lens of Jesus, our eyes, they are open wide. And we find this brand new world. And no longer do we hang our head in sadness, but instead we hold our head high in gladness. For our perspective, it has shifted And now we we see that we are surrounded not by darkness, but instead we are surrounded by love. We are surrounded by grace. We are surrounded by compassion. And through that love, that grace, that compassion that we receive from Jesus, God, he pours his comfort into us. He pours his comfort into our situations. Here's what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any troubles. Don't miss that part. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Jesus, he suffered just like us. Jesus, he found himself in an impossibly imperfect situation when he was arrested. And as Jesus was punished for doing nothing wrong, as Jesus endured the pain, as one thing after another happened to him, as Jesus was stripped naked, as he was beaten, as his beard was torn out by the roots... As Jesus was nailed to the cross, nail after nail after nail, as a crown of thorns was pressed onto his head, as that cross was raised into the air, as he hung in pain, we were on his mind. He took all of our imperfections, all of our sin, all of our mistakes, all of our shame, and he bore it on the cross for us. And as he bled, as he endured the pain, as he hung there and died in discomfort. His mind was on the comfort that we would receive because of his sacrifice. And today we can look for what God can do because we know what God has already done. For three days later, Jesus Christ, by the power of God, he was risen from the dead. Allowing the glory of God to be shown, putting the curse of pain, the curse of shame, the curse of sin in death. He put it all in the grave because of Jesus. God, he rushes to provide for us. He rushes to sustain us. He he rushes to comfort us, allowing us to comfort those in trouble. Jesus, he is God's ultimate blessing. Because of Jesus, we are blessed by peace. We are blessed by joy. And the glint of his love, the glint of his grace, it is shimmering, it is shining all around us. We just have to shift our perspective to see it. The the glint of his compassion, it brought two random strangers together. Two people from two different worlds, his compassion, it brought us together. Two people in impossibly imperfect situations, bonded over a car ride in a crazy chicken, bonded by the comfort and the blessing of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite moments in, in the story that we talked about from John 9. Uh, it's a long story. I, I didn't have time to share the whole thing. But this man, he, he goes home. He's being questioned by the neighbors. How did this happen? How can you see the Pharisees? They, they, they want to talk to the man. So the man, he, he goes before the Pharisees. The Pharisees are asking him all these questions, interrogating him. Eventually, the Pharisees, they're trying to get this man to say bad things about Jesus. But the man refuses. Eventually, the man says, you know what? I, I don't know much. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. The Pharisees, they got so angry with the man, they threw him out of church. They they hurled insults at him. They they told the man that he was steeped in sin since he was born the, the Pharisees they were so blind they couldn't see what Jesus has done, had done but after all of that the man he, eventually he finds himself in the presence of Jesus again he, he once again finds himself conversing with Jesus the man that had told him to go and wash here's what the Bible says Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and when he found him now don't miss that part we could read right past that part when he found him Jesus heard what happened to this man, and he goes looking for him. When he found him, Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I, I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus, he is asking us that same question today. Do you believe in the son of man? Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? No matter what imperfection we face, no matter how impossible it seems, we view it from the perspective of Jesus and we look for what God can do. We look for the glint. We stop asking question after question. We stop looking for someone to blame and instead we simply say, I believe. I believe, God, that even though this situation seems impossible, even though this is a not perfect time in my life, I believe that still your glory, it can be shown. I believe, God, that nothing, even though nothing's going the way I planned, I believe that you can still work. We believe and we rest in the presence of Jesus. We rest in the blessing of Jesus. We rest in his hands, eagerly waiting to see what he will do next. We are not perfect, in life, it is far from perfect. But we know that Jesus, he is perfect. And we know that we are in good hands. We were blind, but now through Jesus, we see everything. And as we see everything, we bask in God's good power. We bask in the blessing of Jesus. And no matter what, we look for what God can do. Many of you know, as I I worked my way through the crowd greeting you guys during worship, uh, a few of you asked me how my mom was doing. Some of you know the the situation that my family has been facing the past while. Uh, My mom, she's in stage two of Alzheimer's. Uh, Every day is hard. God is good, though. We just take it day by day, and it'd be so easy just to start to question why, God? Why is this happening? I know that you are capable, God. I know you can heal my mom just like that. What are you doing? Where are you? But instead, I have to remind myself, I believe. I have to remind myself to look for what God can do, even in this situation. Maybe you found yourself in a similar situation today. Maybe you feel like there's an impossibly imperfect situation that is waiting for you outside those doors. As you leave these doors today, leave looking for what God can do. Leave looking for what his glory, how it can be shown, how he can work no matter what. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.